It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. Yes, we are back at the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Welcome. Please come on inside. But before you do, wipe your feet because we don't want anything scuffing up our beautifully clean marble floors. Now, walk right on past the weekend update exhibit into hall a where we do all our presentations here on the snl hall of fame and get ready to have your socks knocked off because today we've got andrew clark joining thomas in a wonderful conversation on the you know the absolutely fantastic career of jack handy uh, I know most of you are familiar with his work through deep thoughts, but there's a lot to unpack with Mr. Handy and Thomas and Andrew get right into things and it's uh, really quite wonderful. So I'm glad that we have that to share with you. Of course, we also have our friend Matt Ardill and uh, let's go to his uh, minutia Minute right now. Matt. You can get out of your box now that you've been <laughs> that you've been in for the last week. You can climb out and uh, regale us with all sorts of uh, information on Jack Handy. Thank you. It's a nice box. It, you know, it's got nice air holes, so I really do enjoy it in there. Keep it nice and quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jack Handy, uh, born February twenty fifth, nineteen forty nine. Uh, he is, uh, you know, one of those interesting writers. Uh, very unique history uh, with Saturday Night Live. Um, his first season uh, was season eleven, uh, November ninth, uh, nineteen eighty-five. Uh, that's the again the po- the post Dick Ebersol year uh, where they were sort of recovering. So he started with Joan Cusack and Robert Downey Jr. and Nora Dunn and all of all of all of that crew. Uh, and continued until season twenty-seven as a oh, as a writer. Um, so I mean, he went from like probably one of the lowest points in in the Saturday Night Live history, um, and I think that's you know <laughs> pretty universally considered one of the lower points uh, to a high point with where when he left, which was like the Will Ferrell, Rachel Drash, uh, Anna Gassner kind of era um so he's seen he had a really interesting uh, variety uh there he's got great sketches like toonsis the driving cat and frozen caveman lawyer and pro- the one that he's really made uh his bread and butter on uh which is deep thoughts um nice. he, he's turned that into he has 11 books eight of them are deep not are, are <laughs> deep thought variations um but you know, people associate that with Saturday Night Live, but it was actually bigger before. It was big before Saturday Night Live. Um, I mean, he got his first job uh, writing for Steve Allen, 
1977. He was paid $100 for a joke. Uh, and then he started writing with Steve Martin. Martin introduced him to Lorne Michaels, who had him on his... You know, people forget Lorne Michaels actually had other shows yeah. back in the day. Uh, NBC's The New Show. Right. Um, and he also wrote for Bizarre. I, I don't know if you've ever watched that. I loved that sure show. Have. Kid. Yeah. I mean, oh, you had, boy. Such a great show. You had Super Dave Osborne, Bob, uh, Bob Einstein, another Smothers Brothers uh, collaborator along with Steve Martin uh, there. I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he drifted in and out of Saturday Night Live for 17 years, serving as a writer on 178 episodes and a consultant on 20 episodes. Um, Tunesis was actually named after his real life cat. Um, oh. Yeah. So he, uh, he you know, Tunesis. Was in multiple sketches. had a, had an half hour special. Tunsis, the cat who could drive a car. Um, and Don't recall that. Yeah, it's one of those like you know like, like one of those little weird projects that Lauren did that people just don't remember because it's such a weird little esoteric thing. Um, and it's interesting. Like he he was asked where he came up with the idea for Tunsis. And uh, he's just like, yeah, it's just a free association thing. And he's just like sitting around, and it's like, oh, that's uh, what's what's funny, a cat who could drive a car. Um, and what I, I think is is, but not really, <laughs> but not really, but not, he could drive it, but poorly. Um, you know, and, and Jack, you know, the is it, for example, Deep Thoughts was first a segment on uh, in Omni magazine. Uh, then it became an uh, article in the National Lampoon, the Santa Fe newspaper. It ran on um, as a interstitial on Comedy Channel in 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 all of this before it eventually landed on Saturday Night Live. So he'd already ref- distilled this down into this perfect little like package. And they're just like, okay, well, we'll just we'll just add this to the show. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, and I mean, what, what's what's funny about his stuff is people like think it's like very heady and esoteric, but I mean, you know, look the you know, the, the caveman lawyer bit. It it he described it as little boy stuff, um, just saying, you know, it's throwaway. Uh, like and he when asked about doing. Um, doing topical stuff he says i never do that because it's throwaway you never you know there's great jokes that are very timely for like 1978 but uh you know nobody wants to read them now uh or 1878 sorry that was the quote um but yeah it's it's just he's a he's a he's a guy who's like just leaned into the silly and i think that's what made him able to bounce around and stay uh funny for so long that's really great Well, thanks so much. My pleasure. for you uh, while watching around that time well i'm a jack handy fan so that's why number one um i you the one you mentioned that you can't tell you know when jack handy has been involved 
what's it railway malfeasance like uh, i can't remember the title is so absurd it's like uh-huh. true trials of railway malfeasance uh fun ball um happy fun ball caveman yes. lawyer mm-hmm. tunes is the driving cat i mean they all share the jack handy sensibility so i'm i'm a huge fan of jack handy's i'm a fan of that kind of comedy that doesn't always get through on Saturday Night Live, which is which is not capital satire with a capital S. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have to come clean with that I am not impartial or going to be so when talking about Jack Handy. I think he's hilariously funny and is probably one of the most imitated I would say the most imitated writer to have worked on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people trying to write deep thoughts like Jack Handy and failing. And in fact, it's almost like truffles. You know how they say there's like fake truffles yeah. out there? Mm-hmm. There's like fake Jack Handy uh, jokes on the internet that he didn't write, you know? So I, I think that's a huge credit to him. Yeah. I, I, I just loved, I, I, as soon as, you know, the deep thoughts were on, but a lot of the times you just, you, you know, when you were watching Tunsis the Driving Cat, you didn't know at the time, oh, that's Jack Handy. It wasn't until the internet allowed you to sort of parse everything. That you know you, that you can find all this stuff out unless you knew somebody. Sure. So yeah, I'm an unabashed Jack Handy fan. And he seems to be the writer from that era that other SNL writers speak of most fondly. I like I've heard Robert Schmeigel, I've heard Jim Downey, Conan O'Brien, and Al Franken all say that Jack Handy was the best writer in the room and the funniest guy in the room. And yeah, that just said so much to me right there i mean what do you think about yeah. that yeah well i mean i think that you know i would just say like we're on this podcast there's a great interview that uh, jesse thorne did uh with jack handy in 2008 which i strongly recommend if you're if people want to know or if you want to hear it from the the handy's mouth so to speak what i would say about him he's a humorist and that's often used as an insult what's a humorist is like an unfunny comedian but uh, he's a um, he's a humorist in that his work works so well when it's read, when it's in print. Mm-hmm. And he's starting out writing for Army Man magazine and National Lampoon. And I think his first deep thoughts were in like a magazine called Omni, which was a big deal in the 80s. So what I would say, there's a real deadpan to Jack Handy. And all of his characters, whether it's the Jack Handy of Deep Thoughts or Frozen Caveman Lawyer or the railway malfeasance with um, George Clooney and um, Mark uh, McKinney. Mm -hmm. There's a character who thinks they are normal, who's actually really psychotic. Yes. And is completely out to lunch, but thinks they are fine. And I love that. And, um, you know, there's another writer who's a humorist out there, Mike Sachs. He never worked for Saturday Night Live, but Mike's characters are kind of like that, Mm -hmm. too. Um, So I think there's an element there. And I think the other thing, of course, that, other writers would like about someone like Jack Handy is they know that Jack Handy's not trying to do what they're doing because he's Jack Handy. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's him. He's doing his thing. Like he's not trying to be Robert Schmeigel or Adam McKay or whatever. He's, he's Jack Handy. So I think writers can sometimes be a somewhat competitive bunch. So when you have someone who's so obviously uniquely a unicorn or themselves, it kind of cools them down because they can be a little bit. Now, I think I've also heard that Jack Handy's a very gracious guy mm-hmm. and and you know a nice guy and and all of that as well, which does which makes it a little easier to like him, you know. And I think you know if you look at his sensibility, he starts out as a newspaper reporter, but his heart is really in humor, 
And I don't know if people are aware, but he, his neighbor in Santa Fe at one point yeah. was uh, Steve Martin. So he sees Steve Martin on TV and thinks, oh, hey, that's my old neighbor. So he writes and says, can I write for you? And Steve Martin has him, you know, writing for his, his show. So it's, a, it's, an, it just, it's kind of like a weird coincidence that, that only a Jack Handy character would experience. And then that kind of rolls on, um, you know, Jack Handy moves to the new show, which was the show Lauren Michaels did after he was let go from Saturday Night Live or whatever. And then he keeps going back. So he's he's got this interesting, he's almost like a Candide or Zelig, where his career just kind of keeps going forward despite weird, you know, uh, reversals, so to speak, you know. And he has that thing that I think Steve Martin had as well, which is at a time when there's been so much political humor, He's going to do stuff that's really sort of smartly silly, right? Like smartly silly, absurdist, solipsistic, you know, to throw that word around. And at the time, it was just a a perfect way of undermining everything that, you know, had been running through America through the 70s, which is, you know, Watergate, the end of Vietnam, uh, energy crisis, uh, you know, recessions, uh, manufacturing jobs, a lot of stuff going on. And so having Steve Martin come out and say, it's great to be here, and then moving over and saying, no, it's actually really great to be here. (laughs) Or having, uh, you know, Jack Handy's deep thoughts, uh, you know, like, uh, for instance. And now, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. If trees could scream, would we be so cavalier about cutting them down? We might, if they screamed all the time, for no good reason. And I think one of the things I always really loved about the Deep Thoughts was that people thought it was a made-up name. I did. That was one of my first notes was I thought Jack Handy was a pen name for the longest time. Because if we're being quite honest, when I, when I started watching SNL, I was 11 Around like mm-hmm. when when I started noticing the deep thoughts, and in an eleven year old boy's mind, Jack the name Jack Handy sounds made up. It sounds almost halfway dirty. So I thought that I so I thought that it like does. the show had made up this this character, which Jack Handy the character Jack Handy in Deep Thoughts was a character. But I thought I totally thought that that was a pen name. So that's funny that you bring that up. Yeah, and and I think that even today, like when he checks into hotels, this is something I, I remember from the interview with Jesse Thorne. Like, you know, people will say, "Oh, you're Jack Handy. That's the same name as you know that guy on SNL." And they'll go, "Yeah, I am Jack Handy." They're like, mm, yeah, is there is there anybody you? named Jack <laughs> you know, Handy out in the uh, world? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, there was Stuart. You know, I don't know if Stuart Smalley was after Jack. I think Handy it was around the same time. Around yeah. the same time, but there was also Stuart Smalley, which isn't Jack Handy. Stuart Smalley. They're both the same kind of. Uh, sound, if you will, you know, so you could yeah. sort of be forgiven. But no, it, it was a real yeah. person, Jack Handy. And, you know, a real, uh, you know, a real big influence. It takes a big man to cry, but it takes a bigger man yes. to laugh at that man. Um, I mean, it, it, these are, you know, it, the closest thing you can get is someone like Stephen Wright, right? Yep. Right, right. Um, these are very, very surreal one liners that kind of take you one way and fold you back. But I would liken them to writing really, really, really exactly. good poetry. Yeah, good Jack poetry. Uh, Handy actually said that his favorite deep thought, because it was so succinct, was... The crows seem to be calling his name, thought Ka. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's just the silliest yeah. one. But he's Jack Handy said that you know he looked at joke writing. He took pride in using the fewest words to make somebody laugh or to get a joke across, and so that's why he said that that was his favorite deep thoughts uh, out of probably the hundreds that he wrote. And seventy, almost like sixty-eight of them, I counted, actually appeared on the show, which is amazing. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I think at one time he said that. At one time, I think he actually said he thought there were almost yeah. too many on the show. They'd have like four, and he was kind of worried about it. But, you know, some of them are, you know, if you go through a lot of hammers each month, I don't think it necessarily means you're a hard worker. It may just mean that you have a lot to learn about proper hammer <laughs> maintenance. Um, so, again, like, it's funny to say, but, you know, he's also an author, right? So, I mean, like, you know, he's got a number of books. You know, What I'd Say to the Martians, uh, you know, he had uh, yeah. fuzzy memories, deeper thoughts. So a lot of what he does definitely works in print. And then, you know, in, in the last few years, I guess maybe in the last 10 years or so, he's been writing more for The New Yorker, Shouts and Murmurs. So I, I, I see him very much as someone who can survive on te- writing for television, but also writing in print, which is interestingly enough now with the Internet, you know, you see the rise of being able to write joke, humor humor that makes people laugh without an actor doing the material, it's a lot more prevalent now than it yeah, was 10, 10 years ago. Uh, you know, things like Reductress and, you know, McSweeney's, of course, have mm-hmm. been around forever. But Yeah, before we move on from Deep Thoughts, I want to share um, uh, a couple of mine, my favorites. So uh, the, these have been things that have been rattling around my brain since I was a kid. And uh, that's just such a compliment to him. So I guess of all my uncles, I liked Uncle Caveman the best. We called him Uncle Caveman because he lived in a cave and because sometimes he'd eat one of us. Later on, we found out he was a bear. (laughs) That's just such a, that's such a, I could see that actually turning into like an entire sketch on its own. I can see Jack Handy like fleshing that out into a sketch. And one that I told my wife when I was explaining Jack Handy to her, I told her about this one. If you ever fall off the Sears Tower, just go real limp, because maybe you'll look like a dummy, and people will try to catch you, because hey, free dummy. <laughs> and I, I read that one to her and she and she yeah. was just like, she just shook her head and she's like, that's really funny. And I think, you know, I think his humor just gets nods of appreciation from all walks of life, young people, older people. I think there's such a commonality with with Jack Handy's type of humor. Uh, I really do. I really think he's the type that brings people together as far, like, comedically. He uses something that people, I think, forget about sometimes, which is how important surprise is, obviously, in comedy. Because you never can tell Mm -hmm. where Jack Handy's going. I think in terms of writing, like, change a word. And I'm not saying okay, this is to be or not to be, obviously, but change a word, like change because, you know, hey, freedom, like if you change those words, you're going to find that you mess with the whole rhythm of it and you're, it's not going to work as well. So again, I find them deceptive because they seem so simple and they just roll. You know, if you mess with them, you'll see how well honed they are. And in fact, uh, I mentioned Mike Sachs. He has a book, Poking a Dead Frog, uh, which came out a while back with a really good, if I recall, interview with Jack Handy, where he talks about writing. So that's actually a really good book for any sort of aspiring comedy writers because it's 
interviews with comedy comic writers like Meryl Marco or I, I even think Conan mm-hmm. O'Brien might be in it. Um, you know, and Jack Handy's one of them. And and his stuff on how to write and how he writes is really illuminating. So anyone who's sort of interested in it, I would highly recommend Yeah, was that the same piece? Um, and him, Jack Handy's probably ref- mentioned this in a, f- a few interviews that he's done, but he, I heard him say that he doesn't, he didn't like when people tried to edit his, especially like his one-liners or deep thoughts or, you know, like they, they would try to go in and uh, grammatically change X, Y, and Z. And, and oh. he said that that would bother him because oh, there was God, a rhythm yeah. oh. to how he wrote. And sometimes it didn't have to be grammatically correct. That wasn't the point. The point was the rhythm of what yeah. he was writing. Yeah, that's an issue that, that you get more in journalism um, because you'll get editors. I'm lucky with my column, I, I don't have that issue, but I, in other areas, other other publications other than, say, the Globe and Mail, where the editor will change your material to make it, not even that it's grammatically incorrect, but to make it s- sort of go smoother. And it's like, no, 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 that that's not going to work. We're writing it this way because ideally it's funnier. And messing with... Jack Handy's like taking a paintbrush to Rothko. I mean, you know, it may look, but don't F with it because you're going to blow it up. The other thing is if like if you want to mess with his material, why have him? If you want to get someone who can kind of write Jack Handy kind of funny, you can probably get a, quite a few people who can kind of be Jack Handy and kind of funny. But, the, you know, if you're going to get Jack Handy, yeah, just let exactly. him do his thing and just say, yes, it works or yes, it doesn't. I think that would be my position with Jack Handy. The, I don't know what the batting average for his his the number that he writes versus the the ones that he thinks okay these are going to work but you know once he's done that I think you just have to say then all you can do is say yes or no to the joke but don't go in and put a comma or change exactly it to yeah a that's not the point like that. it's exactly just, it's not so work. he did almost seventy deep thoughts or they ran almost seventy deep thoughts on SNL fuzzy memories was thirteen times. Lost Deep Thoughts was 11 mm-hmm. times. He, my Big Thick Novel, 16 <laughs> times. And he even did one for good measure, my best list for 2001. So all in all, almost uh, like over 100 <laughs> times, he had segments ba- like basically air under his name. I mean, what other writer in the show's history is given that much space and given their own segments like that under the, under their own, under the writer's name to do what they want to do. I can't, I, no, can't, I mean, there's, I there's, there's Robert Schmeigel who did the TV Funhouse, but his name was briefly mentioned. Like Jack Handy was almost the star of all of these segments. And that's just such a, such, such a big thing to say about, about him and his time at SNL that, that he was given that much, leeway in that playground yeah and i mean he also i mean he 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 did have a stint on the mike naismith uh, show Mm. television parts where he kind of worked on what would eventually be the deep thoughts but i don't think that i think he's he's the one and only i cannot think of anyone else who actually gets gets their name like out there and I and it's so ironic that we all yeah, thought exactly. it was made up. Exactly, poor guy. Yeah, so. <laughs> we we attributed it <laughs> to know, someone else. You know, he's the only one, and everyone. I actually thought it was Al Franken thing. when I was a kid. So I think go. that was my theory as a teenager before I knew there was an actual Jack Handy. I'm like, oh, Al Franken probably writes these under the pen name Jack Handy. Like that's before my comedic sensibilities kind of. Like, <laughs> no, it's a perfectly reasonable assumption. <laughs> yeah, because there's definitely a crossover sensibility. And I mean, I, I think with Jack Handy, he's someone who, 
you know, he's he had a novel that he did called The Stench mm-hmm. of Honolulu, right? Um, he's kept himself going creatively. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's interesting that, you know, that there was never an un, a Tunsis movie or a Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer movie, but I guess they were not there. There's even in this SNL lexicon of turning like movies, sketches into movies. Yeah, I think Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer would have been um, the premise might have been a little as thin as the ice that Key Rock fell through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, um, so I wanted to talk briefly about fuzzy memories because as far as like a follow-up, because we all fell in love with the deep thoughts uh, on SNL, but as far as a brief follow-up, Fuzzy Memories, I thought was actually really good. Uh, I kind of went through a, I kind of binged um, all the Fuzzy Memories that that I can find and prep for this discussion, and the, to to me, they hold up. Uh, maybe some of his later things, in, but but Very do you have so. any sort of I? Well, not so fuzzy memories of fuzzy memories. Well, for me, I would say Scary Neighbor mm-hmm. would be one. Uh, fuzzy Memories of the Thanksgiving. Fuzzy Memories by Jack Handy. I think the best Thanksgiving we ever had was one where we didn't even have a turkey. Mom and Dad sat us kids down and explained that business hadn't been good at Dad's store so we couldn't afford a turkey. We had vegetables and bread and pie, and it was just fine. Later I went into mom and dad's bedroom to thank them, and I caught them eating a little turkey. I guess that wasn't really the best Thanksgiving. These kind of weird home movies that he's doing, um, it's just, uh, you know, it's going a little bit back into the SNL where they would have short films like, "Hey, America, yes. show us your gun," like going yep. back to the very first series. So that 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 I I think it was a perfect build, and it kind of combined deep thoughts with sort of the same sketchman sketch sort of mentality as like some of his other stuff, like fun, like uh, mm-hmm. Happy Fun Ball and those things. So there's always a weird, a very serious corporate sincerity that's completely yeah. misplaced, and a use of corporate language too. Like he likes officious language like uh railway malfeasance or do not use happy fun ball do not taunt happy fun ball yeah. <laughs> and i mean the fuzzy memories i mean like they have an element of that do you have a favorite or two of your own yeah i just i love the gallows humor <laughs> of it all that 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 he pushed even more forward than from deep thoughts so there's one when you're 10 years old and a car drives by and splashes a puddle of water all over you It's hard to decide if you should go to school like that or try to go home and change and probably be late. So while he was trying to decide, I drove by and splashed him again. You know, it has that turn at the end. Like, you don't quite, you're along for the ride, but you're not quite guessing if you hadn't already seen that where it's going to go at the end. And I know, I knew the, I know the punchline to that fuzzy memories and it still makes me laugh 
just reading it and watching it again, it still makes me yeah. laugh. It's, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's again, oh, he's the master of the curveball, I think. I mean, and that's, that goes back to this kind of surreal, it follows a real logic, but then that logic goes, goes completely off in the other direction and, and you're delighted by it, by when it works. Right. Um, and it's exactly. With you. Yeah. And his premises alone would make me laugh. Like just thinking that like if they didn't, if, if they didn't even make a sketch, on some of his premises, if you just told me that this was a an idea by Jack Handy, it would it would make me laugh. He has this sketch called "An Insane Idiot" in his collection of descending sized deer heads uh, with Harvey yeah, yeah. Keitel. And I'm actually gonna I'm I'm actually gonna kind of break this up for you. I want to I want to uh, play a a game with you and based okay, on that sketch, sure. um, it's two truths right. and a lie. So I'm gonna name three give you three statements and one of one okay. of which is a lie. And don't worry about your Jack Handy credibility as a fan. We're just having fun over here. <laughs> so, like I said, Harvey Keitel was in a sketch written by Jack Handy called An Insane Idiot and His Collection of Descending-Sized Deer Heads. <laughs> so in it, Keitel shows off various-sized deer heads mounted on his wall. He also shows off things that are not deer heads. So which of these statements is not true? So Harvey Keitel shows an earthworm with fake horns. Harvey Keitel shows an ant, and Harvey Keitel shows an amoeba under a microscope. Which one of those did he not show? <laughs> so an ant. An ant. That sounds very Jack Handy, but then an earthworm with horns. Mm -hmm. That follows in with the deer head thing, so that might be too on the nose. And then the other uh, one was... And the last thing is an amoeba. Under a microscope. Under glass. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say ant. Harvey Keitel actually did not show an earthworm with fake horns. And that was a trick question because he showed a mouse with fake horns. All right. See, I'm not good. <laughs> well, I'll give I'm you credit good. there. I think. I'm not a good listener. I think, well, I think you I, knew I, that. I, I, and, and for anybody uh, who's listening who hasn't seen that sketch, I'll say it again. It's called An Insane Idiot and His Collection of Descending Sized <laughs> Deer Heads. And just reading off the, the name of that sketch made both Andrew yeah. and I. Uh, chuckle. <laughs> I think that's a huge... And it's very Jack Handy, because it's a character who thinks that their collection of, of descending-sized deer heads is perfectly acceptable and normal and should not raise any eyebrows and, of course, is completely weird and perverse. Yeah, and it just descends into madness yeah. from there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was also thinking about Jack Handy's place in SNL history, and I'm wondering if he might be the godfather of the 10 to 1 time slot. Because you know the ten to one time slot's known for the for the weird sketches and everything, yeah. and I seem to remember a lot of some of his sketches being placed in that ten to one time slot. I think you're slot. right. Yeah, I think it's like the same stuff that you might see Will Forte doing. Mm -hmm. Like I forget the name of the character at the wedding who talks really mm -hmm. low and has the weird hair, and yeah, that sort of ten to one where we're going to put it on. That was Cowbell a ten to one. I, I forgot. I kind of like, yeah, sort of the weird sketch that no one knows and is anyone watching, so we're going to put it on. I think you could maybe say that he, he might be the godfather. He might be the trailblazer, the, the pioneer, if we can still use that term, who stuck a flag in the territory of weird sketches that no one really knows whether they work or not. And uh, some of them really work and we remember them, and those that don't, we forget. See, that's one of the great things about sketch comedy in Saturday Night Live. We don't spend an enormous amount of time talking about the stuff at 10 to 1 that didn't fly. Mm -hmm. Although you can sometimes hear um, 
some of the cast members talk about like s- sketches that they did that just bombed yeah. that had done well in dress or whatever, exactly. you know, um, I think you could be right. Yeah. yeah. And I think he probably liked that. I, again, I hear him. I'm, I'm always speaking for these guys. Well, I, that's part ooh, of, ooh, <laughs> that's part of the fun of this. Maybe we could speak for them just a little bit or, or try to yeah. guess as to their, it's like sports. I like, I like, I watch SNL like I watch sports. And so that's part of the fun of sports well, is trying to it, guess it, of like what the manager's reason was for pulling a correct. pitcher in the ninth and when during a no hitter or something like that. I think that's part of the fun of, sure. of watching SNL. Absolutely, and I and I and I believe that that is exactly how it was modeled, like on a baseball team, almost where, you know, people come and go on the Blue Jays or the Yankees, but they're always the Yankees, and that's that's once they were able to get over the first few casts. Then they were they were they had set that precedent, so I definitely think that's it. And I think the other thing with Jack Candy is, um, I think the success of the Deep Thoughts, which I think he had real trouble getting on. Yeah, for a he while, did. Um, helped maybe other writers who wanted to do stuff that had a similar sensibility. Maybe they had a little bit easier time of it. Perhaps. Yeah, Lorne didn't quite get success. Deep Thoughts, like I don't think Lorne, that wasn't necessarily his totally in his wheelhouse i believe but i think he ultimately no. knew that people found it funny so so he he mm-hmm. greenlit um well and i would say that as a producer that's one of his mm-hmm. greater strengths which was i remember interviewing again interviewing him it would have been in 96 and he was talking about a cast members i think some of them was like adam sandler maybe i, f- I forget and him saying the network didn't really get them and they weren't always that popular at the time and and he said, you know, I don't necessarily get it either, but I know it's funny. Mm-hmm. So I think he has that ability to look at something and whether or not he finds it perfectly to suit his tastes. If he knows it's funny, he'll go with it. In a producer of comedy, a very good asset because you can meet a lot of that's not normal. The normal is, well, I don't think it's funny, so it's not funny. Right. or these kids today, they don't know what they're doing. And I, I think that one of the things that Laura Michaels, because I do believe he's a bit of a student of comedy, there's a curiosity there as to what 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 are people laughing at and what's making them laugh. Right, and we've all benefited um, from I'm that kind of, because you know we wouldn't yeah. have, we wouldn't have Jack Andy and Deep Thoughts and and all that. So oh, that would. Yeah. I'd like to think that we would that something <laughs> somewhere that there would be a benevolent God <laughs> that would allow Jack Andy to be somewhere with it. Yes, thoughts. exactly. Have you ever had the chance to speak to Jack Andy? No, but I feel like after this, I should just call him up. Yeah, is he? And say, hey, Jack, what's up? <laughs> he seems like the type, I don't know why, but he seems like the type that would like maybe be in the phone book or something. I don't He seems pretty approachable. I think so. I mean, I think that um, it's a little disarming or not disarming. It can be a little alarming when, when you've got someone uh, who thinks that they know you because they know your work. Uh, and uh, again, I don't want to name drop. I remember working with uh, the novelist Martin Amos at Humber, and I said to him, "It must be kind of odd that you meet people who think they kind of know you, and you've just met them." And he said, uh, "Well, actually, they do know me. They read my books. So if they've read my books, they they know mm-hmm. me. So I I hope that's true of Jack Candy because he would be a very fun person to have a coffee with if that is the case. Yeah. Um, I think that." Someone like Jack Handy would would be would have, would be great for like say at Humber where you know teaching comedy. But the the one thing you could almost teach is like that's Jack Handy. Like you can't teach that. 
you can learn from Jack Handy, but you can't learn how to be Jack right, Handy. Right, exactly. The only thing you can learn from Jack Handy is how important it is to be you. Yeah. And I think that's another thing because a lot of people will dismiss Saturday Night Live, if you will, and say, well, it's, it's a factory. Uh, the individual is, you know, kind of wiped out by the, the bigness of it all, you know, all that kind of thing. And then you look at Jack Handy and say, well, that guy didn't in any way, shape or form, I don't believe change who he was to write on the show yeah so he was very uniquely him now if you want to put this on in a baseball analogy because i know lauren michael's a big baseball fan you can't have a team of jack handies but you want jack handy on your yeah team. yeah exactly yeah. so exactly. so i think that's a a nice thing and, and for someone who's like a print print guy like me i really really love uh someone who can kind of live so easily or or at least it appears easy to me uh, in both worlds. Yeah. As a as a fellow print guy myself and a and a comedy nerd, I think one of my comedy nerd dreams would be to to go have coffee with Jack Handy and just laugh and pick his brain. And and you know what? I uh, I live about an hour from Jack Handy, and one of really? I do. I live. Well, geez, I don't know. Yeah, he lives in Santa Fe. If anybody doesn't know, Jack Handy lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And yeah, I live about an hour from Jack Handy. And I've, I've, I've thought a couple of times, like, you know, the times that I've gone up to Santa Fe, like, what if I just ran into Jack Handy and like said, hey, let's go grab coffee or just even talk to him for like two minutes or whatever. I've always wanted to run into Jack Handy uh, when I've been up in Santa Fe. So, well, you know, again, I'm not trying to encourage anyone to stalk <laughs> anybody or anything like that. I, I would say that writers sometimes are a little bit, occasionally a little bit more approachable because they are under the, the spotlight, True. you know, of uh, social media now, for instance, and all that. But I think when if you go to a writer with like Jack Handy with thoughtful questions about their work, you can generally, and if you're pretty flexible with your timing, you can, you know, you could say, hey, I noticed, you know, in your work, you have these you know, these themes or these things that reoccur, or, you know, I'm interested, you can, you can, you know, you can get into that. You can get into a conversation. Yeah, definitely. So I think you should do it. Life is short. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll have an addendum to this. No, no, no. That's Don't don't show up with a, what was it? Like with a pumpkin with a knife through his head. Wasn't that one of his things? Like whenever I feel like killing someone or something, I I go to their house and ring the doorbell and then I'm I'm paraphrasing Mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not. I'm I remember not there, that one though. I leave a, a jack o' lantern with a knife through it. Did we talk about this already? Am no, I but that I think that is. I I've think been that, listening and watching a lot. Of yeah, jack no, I think that one. So they're all melding into one funny, weird deep. Yeah, thought. so I will not do that. I will not show up to Jack Andy's door with a pumpkin. But sometimes I go to Santa Fe, so so it, it's always just kind of as a comedy nerd. Just that'd be wonderful, just to kind of bump into Jack Andy. So. <laughs> Again, I, I think you can never go wrong if you if you show that you've read their work, you've read all their books, and you have thoughtful questions. You know. Yeah, definitely. And you're not a murderer. <laughs> that, that's, I assume, that's, that's probably that's probably bearing the lead. I'm, that's probably the I'm, first. I'm, I'm going I'm going out on a limb, and I'm assuming you're, you're not. Correct. So uh, you know, that's great. Yeah. Is there are there any other um, uh, sketches or, or anything from before we get out of here that that stick out to you with Jack Andy? Well, I mean, we didn't talk a lot about Tunsis, mm-hmm. but um, Tunsis the Driving Cat as a concept. Do you think Tunsis will pass his driving test? I don't know. That written part is pretty hard. <laughs> and he can't even read. Maybe he'll make up for it on the driving part. Damn, I wish I could help him. 
All right, sir, if you'll just go ahead and pull out into traffic. Look out! I would have loved to be a fly on the wall, as they say, when that was pitched, just to see the reaction, because it's an extremely funny bit. It got used over and over and over again. So, you know, I have a soft spot for Tunsis, the driving cat who actually can't yeah, drive and constantly gets That's the best part of the sketch is um, that, that Tunsis actually <laughs> is a bad driver. Like, he's a, Tunsis is a great yeah. driver for a cat but ultimately a terrible driver overall. And Jack Handy actually had a cat named Toonsis. So that's where that, that's oh, where that wow, came okay. from. So yeah. that's, that circles the mm-hmm. square right yep. there. Um, no, I mean, I mean, for, for obviously, I think a lot of the, the people who listen to the podcast are obviously pretty familiar, but I definitely would recommend, you know, go take a deep dive into his print, you know, go and, go and see him on the page to where it's just him right to you. And it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. And as far as his candidacy for the SNL Hall of Fame, uh, specifically, just, you know, brief summary before we head out of here. The incomparable Jack Handy, who basically created its own form. He brought the epigram, if you will, back. Uh, yeah, he's he's got to be one of the most famous writers, you know, as a name. Yeah, we can remember Conan O'Brien. Obviously, they're huge people, but... He was the guy who really pioneered, I think, probably some of the most surreal Saturday Night Live stuff that that's come. Uh, and I, I think you can credit some of the weird stuff like Cowbell maybe later mm-hmm. to having had Jack Handy on the ground doing his yeah. thing. Um, he's, to me, a, he's a locked, guaranteed Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, well put. Well, Andrew Clark, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been super fun. <laughs> Yes, Jack Handy, a lock, Andrew Clark says, for the SNL Hall of Fame. Is that going to be the case? We shall see. I don't know that he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, based on what I've seen so far in voting, but he would be on my ballot, uh, and he will be on my ballot this year. Uh, I think he's a a wonderful writer and uh, would be a great addition to the SNL Hall of Fame. Of course, when the time comes to vote, that'll be in your hands, and uh, a voter must receive 66.6% of all, uh, they must appear on 66.6% of all ballots, and if if so, they uh, are enshrined in the SNL Hall of Fame. Now, to look back last year at the writing category, it, it's quite interesting to me because nobody really got any higher than Conan O'Brien. Uh, and you know, that makes sense. Conan O'Brien makes sense to, to garner a lot of votes, but we had a tremendous amount of great writers last year. Oh, my mistake. It was the lonely Island. The lonely Island were nominated for writers and they got 52.9% of the vote. Uh, I suspect we'll see them enter this year. Uh, from there, Jim, uh, Jim Downey got 30.3%, Franken and Davis 29.7%, and Conan O'Brien at 28.4%, Michael O'Donoghue at 25.8%. So all those writers have a long way to go. So for Andrew Clark to suggest that this is a lock, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know. It will depend upon how the voting body views writing. And uh, I think that writing is really important. You know, the host doesn't have a whole lot to say without writers. The cast, although they contribute uh, ideas and, and write, um, they need the writers to shape things into form. So writing is rather important in the world of SNL. And I hope that's reflected in the hall as you all get prepared to vote in season two. Now, uh, I do need to point out that this year is a little different. You will need to register to vote. So if you have not registered to vote, please do so. You can do so uh, on any of the podcast links that you see access to. Click on it, and one of them is register to vote. And that way, uh, we'll be able to send you the ballot when the time comes with the instructions. And Bob's your uncle. What do you say we listen to the curated sketch that was selected for Jack Handy? This is a great one. I remember watching it live and being absolutely blown away. It is uh, somewhat visual. It, it, it's, um, it's enhanced with the visual, but the dialogue is great. And that is, of course, the happy fun ball sketch. So let's give that a listen right now before we say goodbye. It's happy! It's fun! It's Happy Fun Ball! Yes, it's Happy Fun Ball, the toy sensation that's sweeping the nation. Only $14.95 at participating stores. Get one today. Warning. Pregnant women, the elderly, and children under 10 should avoid prolonged exposure to Happy Fun Ball. Caution. Happy Fun Ball may suddenly accelerate to dangerous speeds. Happy Fun Ball contains a liquid core, which, if exposed due to rupture, should not be touched, inhaled, or looked at. Do not use Happy Fun Ball on concrete. Discontinue use of Happy Fun Ball if any of the following occurs. Itching, vertigo, dizziness, tingling in extremities, loss of balance or coordination, slurred speech, temporary blindness, profuse sweating, or heart palpitations. If Happy Fun Ball begins to smoke, get away immediately, seek shelter, and cover head. Happy Fun Ball may stick to certain types of skin. When not in use, Happy Fun Ball should be returned to its special container and kept under refrigeration. Failure to do so relieves the makers of Happy Fun Ball, Wacky Products Incorporated, and its parent company, Global Chemical Unlimited, of any and all liability. Ingredients of Happy Fun Ball include an unknown glowing substance which fell to Earth, presumably from outer space. Happy Fun Ball has been shipped to our troops in Saudi Arabia and is also being dropped by our warplanes on Iraq. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. Happy Fun Ball comes with a lifetime guarantee. Happy Fun Ball! Except no substitutes! That is great. That is a tremendous uh, sketch. And it made me laugh as much today as it did when I was, you know, 12 years old listening to that. That's so fun. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. That's, uh, that's lovely. Uh, and you're lovely as well. Thank you so much for joining us today in the SNL Hall of Fame. We look forward to you visiting with us again next week when we have another fantastic nominee to unveil for you. In the interim, stay healthy, stay happy, keep watching SNL, and register to vote. But that's it. That's all I got for you right now. But please, on your way out, turn out the lights, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. 
Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. and such. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.